Hello, 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 podcast listeners. Welcome to another edition of PWC Connections, the podcast. We are back in the bucket for another episode and not just another episode. This happens to be a commemorative 50th episode. Cue the cue the horns. <laughs> it's a very big deal. We're at number 50. Very exciting. I am one of your hosts. My name is Lamont Henson, and I am being joined by my co-host. I'm Courtney Lucas. What's up, Courtney? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It is well into spring. We're we're knocking on May. Uh, mm-hmm. it's coming up, and uh, as usual, a lot of things going on with May. We are about to release our annual water quality report. Uh, Something else on the radar, I believe the first week in May is National Drinking Water Week, where uh, they kind of highlight the things that are done to make sure people have safe drinking water. And you know we tout having great quality drinking water here in Fayetteville. And delicious water. We've actually won awards about um, our great tasting water. And one of the things I think people take for granted Uh, once you travel, I think you get a a different experience Mm -hmm. and appreciation for things. I recently had the opportunity to visit Panama. While it is beautiful, a lot of great scenery, it is considered like a third world country situation because of their water. Oh, wow. And they do not recommend that the residents drink the water, even though they still use it for cooking and for showering, things of that nature. It is not recommended that you drink it. And that's something that you think about being here that I don't give it a second thought. I drink from the tap all the time. They need to have someone like our guest down there to get their water situation under control, I believe. Okay. Introduce. Who is our guest? So joining us today for our 50th show is Mr. Wayne Egan, who is one of our water uh, operation supervisors. Hey, Wayne. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for making time to sit down and chat with us. Uh, We've had some conversations in the past on some other platforms, but we really appreciate you joining us for the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. So before we jump into it, Wayne, what can you tell us about what you do here at PwC? How long you've been here, what you do, all that jazz. Okay, well, um, I came here 20, 28 years ago. Started as a meter reader. Mm-hmm. And I was a wee baby. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> My gosh. Uh, yeah, right. 1994. <laughs> so uh, I started as a meter reader, uh, and then I dabbled for a little bit in customer service for about Mm -hmm. a year and then went to our watersheds program and they managed the Glenville Lake and and Mince Pond and and the various lakes that we get water from. Uh, They would take samples along the river and that's how I got introduced to the water side of things. Uh, And then I started working at the Glenville Lake plant as a plant operator and eventually I worked my way up to uh, the current position now which is the operations supervisor. And how long have you been in the role that you're currently in? Since October. Wow. <laughs> so Wayne is uh, the man in charge. I reach out to him quite often whenever we have our tour requests. And I say, Wayne, can we please, <laughs> can we please send this tour over to your plant? And he'll say, sure. <laughs> Let him come on over. I do enjoy giving the tours. <laughs> and, and honestly, my favorite ones with tours are the young kids yeah. and the older adults from the neighborhoods uh-huh. who don't get a chance to come in and see how, how things work. Mm-hmm. And um, when you can understand what it takes to get water or, or what have you, you have a better appreciation for it. Definitely. So, because, you know, it's a 24 seven operation. There is no, you know, holidays off there's nothing like that. There's somebody there every day, every night, whether it's Christmas or Wednesday. 
What is the staffing like at, um, well, we have two water treatment facilities. We have the Hoffer plant, um, which is off the uh, Cape Fear River, and then the Glenville plant that you just mentioned. So what's the setup like over there? Who's working there? Um, what are the shifts like? What are the responsibilities? Right. We run 12-hour shifts, and uh, the guys will have a a 48-hour week roughly, and there's a 36-hour week. Um, and then they, you know, we have, we'll have one guy working nights, um, two guys during the day, plus a senior operator. Um, but we're trying to get that staff back up to two operators per shift. Uh, and the reason why is, is safety. You know, uh, an operator gets, you know, tumbles down the stairs. Or in one case, I was working and I actually had a chemical envelope in my face. Oh, wow. And um, I was able to see enough to get call 911 and call the other plant. They had an extra guy there and they mm -hmm. were able to send him over. And so it, it highlighted the safety issue. You don't want somebody working there by themselves. Yeah. And they were able to get the other guy over as I was being towed away mm -hmm. in the ambulance. And uh, fortunately, nothing, uh, no permanent damage or anything. Just uncomfortable for a couple of days. But uh, staffing is important to us. We try to take care of our operators because they are busy. Uh, you know, the entire shift, they have samples are taken every hour to ensure water quality. Every part of the process has a different parameter we check. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, we know, is it working right or does something need to be changed? Uh, and, and the whole reason for all that is, one, not only to get it treated right so we have quality water, but if something goes bad, we can stop it at the process before it gets to the drinking area. So it is mind-boggling. I'm sorry, Lamont. It is mind-boggling to me um, how small um, the staffing is at yeah. Glenville and Hoffer compared to our population. Right. Um, we have so many customers, including Fort Bragg, and there's just a handful of people who are making sure we have that quality drinking water for so many customers. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, and the thing about water plants, um, every plant is an individual. And so you might as well say that the people that know how to run that plant are the only ones in the world that can do it. Mm -hmm. And we learned that during COVID that when we had people out and we were staffing, the guys were staying uh, two weeks at a time in trailers at the plant. Um, we were short staffed. We actually had to call people that were retired and say, if, you know, if we need you, can we call you in? Wow. Because it's not like... Um, say a, a electrical lineman that's all pretty much the same you know nationwide mm -hmm. and so you can have people from different areas come and some of the details might be different but the job is the same gotcha whereas a water plant one water plant doesn't act the same as the other it may treat water the same fashion such as you know sedimentation flocculation you know uh, that sort of thing but how that plant works and how it's set up is going to be different from every other plant and so, like, here we have two water plants. We cannot take somebody from Glenville Lake that has not been traded at Hoffer and tell them to run the plant. It's going to take them at least two or three months to learn. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I've been here for <laughs> well over 10 years, and I did not know that. Wow. Right. And I would imagine each area has its own set of circumstances to deal with as well. It does. It does. The water reacts at one, one plant different than the other. And so we are currently in the process of training operators and not just across training, where we're actually working in a plant rotation where every few months the operator at one plant will work for several months at the next, and they'll just continue that operation. So they'll know both plants, how it reacts at each part of the year, because 
the, the, the treatment process is, can be a little different for every circumstance, whether it be a season or a storm or hot weather, mm -hmm. there's different ways that you have to react to it and, and what it takes. And, you know, there's a lot of nuances that have to be learned and can only be learned by experience. You, you talked about it being a, a 24 hour cycle process. If you could, for the listener, give like a, a, a overview of what it looks like to be to monitor water or what a, a day a day to day looks like type of thing. OK, uh, now operator comes in. We our shift start at 630 in the morning and 630 at night. Uh, so they'll come in and they'll get a turnover from the, the people that work prior to them. And so then they'll go in and they'll start taking samples check their first hour of the water quality samples, um, see, make sure everything's reacting okay. Then they'll start checking their tank levels of, of their chemical tanks, make sure they have what they need to do for treatment. They'll also look at the, uh, what we call a SCADA. It's a, a computer, it's a super, supervisory control and data acquisition program. And that gives us what's going on in the plant, the pressures out in the system. We can check the levels of the water towers. Um, we want to make sure that they stay full and, and they're, they're going up and down as they should be. Um, we watch for, are, is one falling out rapidly for all of a sudden? Well, if that's the case, and there might be a leak out in the system that nobody knows about yet. Mm -hmm. And so we would call the, um, the dispatcher and inform them and then go hunt down a leak. And then throughout the day, every hour, that operator is taking samples, recording data, you know, walking the plant, making sure those things and everything, all the processes are running right. Uh, we have filters that we use, and so they'll backwash those every every 95 hours is the goal. If it makes it to 95 hours uh, during um, storms and where there's a lot of debris in the water mm -hmm. source, you know, it takes more to filter that out and clean it up. So they may not go the full 95 hours. Um, but they stay, they stay busy. They're on their feet. They're doing a lot of walking, a lot of testing. They go down into the chemical buildings and they'll they'll manually um, measure the amount of chemical being used in the process. They do their their figuring and you know their their math numbers and make sure that we are feeding the proper amount of chemical for how much water we're going through because we don't want to overdose anything. We don't want to underdose. You know, you underdose, the process doesn't work right. You overdose, depending on the chemical, you can make people sick. Yeah. Or, or underdose, and same thing, you, mm -hmm. you don't kill the bacteria. So it's it's very important to get it all right. And and the job is not physically difficult, but it is a lot of responsibility. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, it, it's a profession that, you know, guys need to look at as a profession and realize it's almost – you know, you're dealing with people's health yeah. and it's very important that you get it right because for most of us, we live, PwC water goes to our house too. Mm -hmm. So I want them to get it right. Right, right, right. <laughs> I have a cup full of PwC water on my desk right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess wanting to chase that rabbit, how does someone go about uh, getting into a seat of being an operator or getting into this profession, so to speak? Is it, uh, is it something you learn in college or, or, or how do you go about it? Right. Well, certainly um, um, college in the, the whether it be biology or uh, that sort of thing or environmental aspects, be very beneficial. Uh, but it is not actually necessary because it is a very specific training. Um, that would, the, the education would be certainly be a plus. But just a desire to learn and work hard, 
um, and somebody that can get along with others, if they can come in, they can go on the PwC website and they can look for um, job openings and apply and we'll interview the people and, and um, because we're going to train them how we need them to operate. And, and as I tell the operators that train them, it's like, you need to train that guy as if you're going to relieve him later. Yeah. And he's going to run the plant right so you can have confidence that it's good. And, and you know, he's not that guy that you don't want to follow. So with you uh, mentioning confidence, I think now is a great time to plug the fact that we have two um, award-winning operators, yeah. statewide award-winning operators, Gary and Quan. Um our customers should be proud to know that one of the reasons we have great water is because we have state winning operators. Can you tell us about that? That is a fact. Um, all our, our operators are very professional and uh, that makes my job so much easier mm -hmm. because they know their jobs. Yeah. And so there's really little, very, very little supervisory on my part because they all treat their, uh, their job, their professionals. And to them, it's just, well, this is just what I do every day. Mm -hmm. When you look at what they do, well, you realize they're, it's an award-winning job. It <laughs> so, is. Um, it's a job was given through the North Carolina Water Works Association. And um, I honestly can't tell you all the criteria, but we, we would do a write-up and tell them this is, this is the quality person that we have. This is how they do their job. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they select through several across the state, quite a few people across the state. And, and we happen to have two of them picked at the same time. So right now in our May customer newsletter, you can read about Gary and Quan, um, read all about their certifications and how they got to where they are. Um, we're also going to have a TV segment um, with the two of them coming up, and um, we should have information on our website about their award. Congratulations, fellas. Now, this is something that I, I, it seems like common knowledge to Courtney and I, I'm sure to you, but for uh, the community and listeners, what is the primary source of drinking water for uh, Fayetteville and Cumberland County, and how is it managed? All right. Cape Fear River is a primary source. It's the sole source for the Hoffer water treatment plant. Um, during the warmer months, for sure, it is the primary source for the Glenville Lake plant as well. Uh, Glenville Lake was built back, the lake itself was built back in 1903, I believe. The plant followed, a drinking water plant followed shortly behind. The one current used is, was built in 45. Um, at the time, we, that could supply all of Fayetteville with drinking water. But as Fayetteville grew, they realized they can't do it. Um, when I first started working there, it was assumed that just the Glenville Lake plant could supply Fayetteville with water for about three days. Uh, we've outgrown that some yeah. more. <laughs> they, can, <laughs> they, they can hold it for about a day, day and a half. But really, we need the Hoffer plant um, working with them. Hoffer plant can carry the load. But um, with the Glenville plant, they can kind of fill in and just kind of make it easier. Or there's times of maintenance where the one plant or the other has to be out for several hours mm -hmm. and then then the other plant picks up the slack and customers have no idea they don't have any idea no idea yeah <laughs> yeah and there's over the years there especially after hurricanes and, and we had a major leak um several years ago mm -hmm. uh, we had some real uh nail biting experiences uh, but it was handled mm -hmm. and uh, because of the you know the professional operators the water sewer construction guys you know, they really pull together in a pinch and they'll solve some problems. Yeah. And, and the public won't necessarily know the severity of the issue. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, you know, but that's our job, you know, get it fixed before it hurts. Great timing and great segue. You're talking about the public being uh, just not knowing. Hence, the water quality report is produced each year to uh, give some insight to the public on the treatment process and things that are done in order to get the, the water quality to the level it is. Uh, talk a little bit about it. Okay. Uh, mainly, I I can't say a whole lot to the report, but I just look at what goes in into getting us there. Uh, we manage the water um to get it as clean as possible, as, you know, because it's water we want to drink. We worry about the disinfection. We worry about contaminants coming down the river. Uh, more importantly, even emergency, emerging contaminants. There's things that, you know, they may not be regulated for years, but we're, we're looking at that stuff already. How can we remove it before it's a regulatory problem? And then we look at the regulations that we have right now. Are we staying with those, those boundaries? Because it is people's health that we deal with. And so um, we kind of take that process, wrap it all up and offer that to the public because we need to be accountable to the public. So um, within that water quality report, we um, go through about 150,000 tests every single year. And that report is a compilation of those tests. Um, the report is available on our website. You can go to our report section um, or you can just type in water quality report and it'll take you to the report itself. Um, at the beginning, there's a write-up, um, things like where the water comes from, what we're testing for, et cetera. And then there's a breakdown of every single test that we've done, um, everything from the fluoride to um, one four dioxane. So if you're interested in that report, I encourage you to go to our website. Um, if you want a hard copy, give us a call at 910-223-4009, and we'll gladly mail you a copy. Um, but the report is definitely a, um, a snapshot, if you will, of what's happened in the year prior. And uh, no brag, but we're knocking it out of the park. We really are. That report is, um, it's good news. It's good news. Yes, it is. Okay. So any uh, best practices a customer could participate a part of to kind of help us with the, the water supply or any advice that maybe we could give to the customers? Yeah, the biggest thing, especially moving into these warmer months, supply is always an issue. Uh, and our treatment goes from, say, 15 to 20 million gallons a day in the cool months to, you know, 30 potentially 40,000 or 40 million gallons a day. Wow. Uh, in in the peak of the summertime. <clears throat> a lot so, of people swimming. A lot, wow. of, a lot of people swimming, washing cars and watering grass. Yeah. So, uh, but one of the things that we noticed years ago, we went on the odd even schedule and we were looking at expanding the Hoffer water plant because of the peaks of usage. Well, during that drought back in, uh, 2001, I believe it was, um, they implemented the, the odd even water schedule and we noticed that leveled out the usage and we haven't had to add to and expand the water plant. And that really amazed all of us. We didn't think it would, we knew it would make a difference, but yeah. we didn't realize that great of a deal. And so that is one of the best things you can do. The other is, you know, the, the things that you don't waste water. You, you know, turn the water off when you're brushing your teeth. If, if your toilet, it's making noises, mm -hmm. it's, it's leaking. And not only does it cost you, it wastes water. And you don't want that. 
take shorter showers, things like that. Um, We have a whole list of things that you can do on our website, again, uh, to save water and ultimately save money. Um, One of my favorite facts about um, (laughs) the water towers, and my little boy is a fanatic for water towers. Mm -hmm. He's always talking about water towers. Um, We have monitors inside where we can see the water levels go up and down. And when I first started working here, I was told that, um, you know, say six or seven o'clock in the morning when everybody's taking their showers, you can actually see the water levels go down. Yes. I think that's very, very cool. And that is one of the jobs of the operator. We keep an eye on that and we, uh, you know, we'll, we'll adjust our pumps accordingly Mm -hmm. for demand use. I think that's so cool. (laughs) And one of the things, those, those towers are storage, but the primary source is that's what keeps your pressure in your pipes. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you figure our distribution system is like a really long garden hose. And you got, when you turn a faucet on, a whole lot comes out one end. But you start putting a bunch of little holes in it. Mm-hmm. What comes out of that far end isn't going to be very big because the holes up front. Yeah. Lose the water. And so by our pumps causing pressure in the lines that fill those tanks, that means that water pushing back down from 200 feet in the air keeps the pressure up at the, the far end of the system as well as it is at the front. Mm-hmm. Water towers are very important. Yes. Not just something pretty to look at. That's right. And you guys just touched on a lot of good information. Those resources can be found on our website, FAYPWC.com. Uh, Wayne talked about the watering schedule. So if you have an even address, you would water on Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. Odd address, it would be Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Uh, there's more information on our website, as mentioned, as well as more water conservation tips. Uh, also, our, we offer an incentive program for rain sensor, and that's going to run, I believe, until the end of September. So that's another way that you can conserve as well as save a little bit of money if you uh, decide to go with a rain uh, sensor. You, uh, you had something, Courtney? Well, I just wanted to kind of circle back to what Wayne uh, mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, tours. Um, as we're coming out of the pandemic, we love giving tours of our facilities. And if you are interested in touring a water treatment facility, a water reclamation facility, or our generation plant, um, you can do so. Just reach out to us and I will reach out to Wayne and the other people who are in charge of our plants and um, we'll get you in. We'd love to show you what we have. Yeah. Well, Wayne, I want to say thank you for joining us for this episode of PwC Connections. I also want to say thank you for everything you do for PwC as well as the community to help us uh, continue to have great quality water and not deal with some of the issues that uh, others are dealing with in some other areas. It's much appreciated. Uh, I can really tell that you know your stuff and you take it seriously. And that is appreciated, I'm sure, not just by me, but by our listeners and the community at large. I'm going to go drink some PWC water. I'm thirsty. Me too. Speaking (laughs) of which, before we get out of here, I would be remiss if I did not mention that we just got the information or the news that this podcast, the one that you are listening to, believe it or not, won an award. We were awarded by the North Carolina City and County Communicators, also known as NC3C, for the best audio in terms of excellence in communications believe it or not stop saying believe it or not this is an amazing <laughs> show what are you talking about i can't believe of course it. we won first place right right uh i want to say thank you to all those who uh helped us get that recognition want to thank all our guests that have been a part of this podcast want to thank all our listeners who have uh, given us the fuel to keep going uh we 
hopefully can continue to deliver more great quality content. Uh, that's all I got. Anything else? Follow us on our social media. Yeah, uh, social media. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under the handle of FAYPWC. I feel like I've said a lot. Wayne, you got anything? No, no. I just uh, appreciate being here. We appreciate you. Courtney? I'm thirsty. Thirsty. We're going to get some of that great quality water. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Take care. Thank you.